Can we quickly open our Bibles? Let's take this loud declaration we do once in a while. We are taking it from the book of Jeremiah chapter 10 again this um, afternoon or this evening. This evening or afternoon? We are taking from um, Jeremiah chapter 10. Again, let's all use the same version. If you don't have the one we typically use, which is um, New American Standard, I will request you to just um, step beside somebody who has, and then together we are going to declare these words. All right, we're going to read from verse 6. If you are there, say amen. amen. All right, I want to let's go. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. They are all together stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish, and gold from Ophers. The work of a craftsman and the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the works of skilled men. But the Lord, the true God, is the true God. And the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earthquakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. For his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. I like this particular portion. He said all these other idols, they are worthless. They are a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. Say amen if you believe that. Amen. The problem sometimes is that we get confused because the time of their punishment hasn't come. So we think they have power. Actually, they don't. But listen to this. A time is coming, and it is now. Somebody say amen. amen. And they will all perish. Amen. Every God that is exalted against the Lord Jesus Christ will perish. Amen. They did not make the heavens, they did not make the earth. Therefore, they will perish from under the heavens, and they will perish from this earth. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. The portion of Jacob endures forever. Somebody say amen. Amen. The Lord our God endures forever. Jesus is Lord forever. He's the maker of all. We are the tribe of his inheritance, and the Lord of the heavens armies, that is his name. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. Now say this after me. Jesus will reign. He will reign forevermore. Say that again. Jesus will reign. He will reign forevermore. Say it again. Jesus will reign. He will reign forevermore. Say over my life. He will reign forevermore. 
over his church on this earth. He will reign forevermore. Over his church in this nation. He will reign forevermore. And over this nation. He will reign forevermore. Say it again from the north. To the south. From the east. To the west. Every corner of this nation. Jesus will reign forevermore. Say the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. This nation is the Lord's. And he will reign forevermore. In the name of Jesus Christ. We declare to the kings. To the kings of this earth. To the rulers in this nation. Hear the word of the Lord. Kiss the son. Lest he becomes angry. And you perish out of the way. Say in the name of Jesus. Kiss the son all rulers. All politicians kiss the son. Otherwise he will become angry. Now everybody listen to this and I want you to say after me. Say in the name of Jesus. Everyone that will not kiss the son. In this season. Is going to perish out of the way. Say the will of God will stand. The purpose of God will be accomplished. In this nation. Say every obstruction. Every idol. Every false God. That stands in the path of the purpose of God in this land. We perish out of the way. In the name of Jesus. Say if they gathered. They will scatter. In the name of Jesus. If they are in agreement. Confusion will come to them. That the will of God might be done. In the name of Jesus. Say they will turn against each other. And the people of God will laugh. Say victory. Belongs to the Lord. Victory. Belongs to Jesus Christ. Say in this land. We have overcome. In this land. He has overcome. Say Jesus has overcome. We enforce his victory. In the name of Jesus. Now I want you to prophesy like this. Say my eyes will see. The demonstration of the victory of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that give me an amen. Before we sit down quickly let's take our declaration of understanding. And then we'll continue to teach and to prophesy. Alright the Lord is good. If you don't know it by heart, quickly wave your hands like you need to be rescued. Or I believe everybody does. So let's take it together. I want to let's go. Now I declare. that The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. Now listen to this. When God is judging, all right, immediately after it, there's blessing. I hope you're getting my point. Now the time has come. When the planters will overtake the harvesters. What am I going to say? As God is judging, be receiving, be receiving your own blessing. Amen. You won't wait for you to finish one. It's a season of divine healing. Amen. It's a season of miracles. Amen. It's the season of the manifestation of the power of God. 
is a season of the declaration in practical terms of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. The sick will be healed. Amen. As this word is coming forth today, the sick will be healed. Amen. Let me say something to you. Even if we're not talking about healing, the sick will still be healed. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Abundant supernatural provision for somebody listening Amen. to me. Lack, we banish it in Jesus' name. Amen. Frustration, we banish it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We, we, we confuse confusion. Abi, you like that? Yes, we declare every confusion confused. Amen. It will run out of your life. Amen. It will run out of your family. Amen. We decree reconciliation between husband and wife. Amen. Yeah, reconciliation is important for there to be a release of power into a home. Yes. So every home that is scattered be reconciled in Jesus' name. Amen. I said every home that is scattered will be reconciled in the name of Jesus. Is a season of the manifestation of the power of God. Amen. Listen, oh God, divine power is not by struggle. <laughs> One day I watched some people pray on television. I said, oh boy, this prayer is strong. I saw them pray. I said, ah, hey. You have 25,000 different ways to describe the enemies are against you. It's not necessary. Paul said, I did not come to you with the excellence of wisdom, but the demonstration of the spirit and of power. What was he trying to say? I didn't have to say anything fantastic. Yet the power of God rode upon those words and you felt it. You will feel it. Amen. If you have taken that time out to climb, you know, we are on top floor. What is it? We are on top floor. Something must be happening. This ministry has always been on top, top floor. We were in the other building for how many years? Top floor. We wanted to move here. They said top floor. It's the will of God. It's the upper room. Thank you. This was the, it's upper in the lower room. We had to go to the upper room. Only serious people climb. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, sir. That you have taken time to climb, you will be blessed. Amen. That you have taken time out to come and listen, you will be blessed. Amen. There are people who are different places. You are joining us now on um, any of these social media platforms or internet radio, whichever one you are joining us by. That you have taken, I, I, like I said, don't multitask. I hope you're getting my point. Don't, don't, don't. Just let me be listening while I'm cooking. You, you, you have reduced the power by 95%. Let me wash in my clothes. You have reduced the power by 95%. Leave every other thing. Just do only something to help you keep awake. Like standing up, pacing up and down. Have your Bible in your hands. Join us for everything that we are doing. If we laugh, laugh. I hope you know our laughter is anointed. It's true. That's why I'm looking so serious. Laugh, my friend. The Lord is good. If we cough, don't cough. It's not part of the message. <laughs> If you are coughing, you will be healed. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, this evening, God's power will enter into your home. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. There are illnesses. Some people will start with us this evening. That is, they will start with as we are start, at the hour as we are starting. By the time we are ending, it will be gone. Amen. Some of them, they won't even remember for the next two days. It will be so gone, they won't remember for the next two days. And God will take all his glory. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, hey, Pastor Bank is not anointed. It's a word that is anointed. So just pay attention to the word. And that word will bless you today. In Jesus' name. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. We have been talking about intercession by faith for some time. This is our prayer series, School of Prayer. And we are going to continue talking along those lines. Um, I wanted to do this, do this last time, but it didn't work out. So I believe the Lord will allow us to do it today. The weapon of the intercessor. Let's look at that. 
You know what grace is? Grace is that God gives me something small to do. Then he is able to do the big thing that he wants to do. But without our doing that small thing, the big thing cannot be done. I'll be getting my point. To light up this whole hall, put on all the air conditioning systems, it takes a lot of power. But we don't have to generate the power. I'll be getting my point. All we need to do is what? Push the switch. Different switches. Each switch we push will release power. But we cannot take glory for that power. We have to give the glory, so to speak, to the public power supply, EEDC, or the big, um, massive generation, generator they have in this plaza. We have to give the glory in quote, so to speak, to that. We will not say because we threw the switch, we should take the glory. I hope you're getting my point. That's how it is with grace. Grace is that combination. God generates his power. Then he gives us something to do. The thing may not be big. But that is what is going to release the power. That thing we are doing, we don't collect any glory for it. All the glory belongs to the Lord. But we need to act in obedience so that he can release his power into our lives. The things that we are doing are acts of faith. I hope you're getting my point. Bear it in mind. So that's what obedience is. is a key to the release of God's power into our lives. That's what obedience is. Anytime God gives you a word to obey, it is so that he can release something. Anytime you disobey, you close something against yourself. Did you hear what I said? Let me take a digression and sit on that one for a few minutes. Anytime God gives you something to do, it is so that he can release something into your life, no matter how small it is. And anytime you disobey the instructions of God, now, you see, you must understand this. God does not always express anger. He doesn't always express it. There are times he does. There are times he won't just say anything. The Bible calls it overlooking because of ignorance. Now, but whether you are ignorant or not, disobedience never brings forth a blessing. Never. God will never, ever bless disobedience. Even if you are not consciously disobedient. Did you hear what I said? Yes. Let me give an example. One of my best examples. God never complained that David was marrying many wives. You know that? He did not come to Solomon to complain you were marrying many wives. But he never blessed it. Never did. In fact, both of them, the problems they had were tied to those many women. I hope you're getting my point. Even, you see, you have to be careful this life, in this life. Even if God doesn't say anything, go and make him say something. What do I mean? Find out. Do you know the time you wake up and the time you sleep is important to the Lord? Yes, it is. It sounds funny, but go and learn how to sleep at the time he wants. Learn how to rise at the time he wants. It's not everything he talks about. My emphasis, however, is that if there's a blessing attached, he never brings it if you don't do it. I hope you're getting my point. So that's why you have to be careful. Don't reason away the word of God. If you don't understand it, Keep studying it. Keep praying about it. Because even though God doesn't say anything, there is a blessing he has hidden behind it. You will never find it. That's only, you see, when you're reading the scriptures, you have to be very careful. You have to be very careful. Take a man like Job. Let's assume that Job died before the year of his um, trials and the year of his travels. You would never have known that Job was not 
the fullness of what God created him to be. You just read the story that Job was blessed. But you will not know you are reading the story of a 30-fold blessing. But 30-fold blessing was the greatest at that time. So you write books on how to be blessed like Job. Not knowing that Jesus would say, hey, come on. Job was not the ex- Look, that's not the ultimate of blessing. Why didn't Job get 100%? Because there were certain things that were not correct in the life of Job. And God wanted to teach us something. So he made Job pass through those things that he did until he was corrected. Many people don't realize this. When you are reading your speeches, very, very careful. There are many people that God commended. There are certain parts of their lives nothing was said about. No blessing was inside there. Just because he had a commendation, you take his whole life as being approved. It doesn't work like that. If you look at life of him, when not that something died the way he did, people would have been copying him. They will go to one city and see a woman there. And go there, they will find the halos there. Why? <laughs> because something was strong. The key to strength, amen. You shouldn't discriminate when it comes to women. Because strength. God said, eh, let me quickly kill something. Because if I don't, these boys, I know them. That is the one they will be quoting. <laughs> I'm telling you, go quickly, quickly, kill something, kill something. Let them know that it's bad. If you're a public person, don't do a public evil. God will use you as an example. <laughs> what I'm saying is very, very important. My emphasis in the area of obedience. No matter how small it is. Of course, you know, let me say something quickly again. God doesn't put too much pressure on us. What he does is to lead us step by step in obedience. Learn your lessons on time. There are so many things to learn. I hope you're getting my point. This year, it's to correct you in a particular area. Please, learn the correction quickly. Because there's something else for next year. Let me say something to you. Every desire you have from God has conditions attached. Listen, it doesn't mean you are the one paying. You have already explained it. It's not your power that's powering this place. But you can, your finger can put on the switch. I hope you're getting my point. The power is coming from outside. Most times we don't know where it's coming from. It's only when there's public power failure and the, the plaza has to put on that their massive generator that we know. You may hear the hum in the background. So it's not your energy. It's not. It's not at all your energy. But you must throw the switch. You must press that button to release that power into your life. I hope you're following what I'm going to explain. And that is why, listen, that's why you must be, you know, you must press hard to learn. What am I supposed to be doing? Many times we have desires, I was saying. You have a desire, oh, I want to accomplish something. Or even your own destiny in life. God gives it to you as a prophetic word. Every prophetic word has conditions. Every single one. Especially when they are personal. They have conditions. Funny enough, many of those conditions are small. We don't realize them. So it says to the household, of course, of Levi, now down Eli this time around, let's narrow it to, uh, to Eli, that you will be priest before me forever. And they said, okay, we have found a good business. The priests were well fed. All the sacrifices of God belongs to them. If you brought fresh fruit, it's their own. The only one they couldn't eat was whole burnt offering. When the whole thing had to be burnt, who was going to eat the ashes? But we say you bring a trespass offering. If the more you commit, the happier they are. Because when you commit, the priest will get fed. <laughs> Every time you come, you say your wife bumped picking. You come to dedicate. 
That one belongs to the priest. It was good business. And the boys now carried it far. The sons of Eli, you know them, Hophni and Phinehas. So Hophni and Phinehas began to do recklessly. They sat in the, you know, in the, in the temple, the tabernacle then, and they were doing anything that they liked. Now let's just assume this. In their minds, we are priests. We are priests. We are priests. They did not realize that God had already placed a condition on priesthood. Priesthood is not eternal except you fulfill the conditions. The sustenance of that priesthood was dependent upon certain fulfillments. So one day God sent a man to the house of um, Eli to come and explain the principle to them which they have often overlooked. Quickly open, let's just read together. I could quote it, but let's just read the first Samuel. We're going to read from chapter 2. Yes, chapter 2. Verse 27. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 27. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in bondage to Pharaoh's house? Remember this is a digression. We are getting back to our main message in a moment. Did I not choose them from all the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to go up to my altar to burn incense, to carry the effort before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the fire offerings of the sons of Israel? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling, and honor your sons above me by making yourselves fat with the choicest of every offering of my people Israel? Therefore the Lord God of Israel declares, I did indeed say that your house and the house of your father shall walk before me forever. But now the Lord declares. Remember I said every promise has what? Conditions. The Lord declares, far be it from me. You think he can't change his mind? Forget it. He can. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming when I will break your strength and the strength of your father's house. So that there will not be an old man in your house. You will see the distress of my dwelling. In spite of all the good that I do for Israel. And an old man will not be in your house forever. For I will not cut off every man of yours from my altar. So that your eyes will fail from weeping. And your soul grieve. And all the increase of your house will die in the prime of life. This will be the sign to you which will come concerning your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. On the same day, both of them will die. Hmm. Don't cross God though. Don't cross him. Bear that in mind. But why did I read this? I just wanted to read that whole thing in context. It's just one particular verse I want all right, to illustrate my point. He said, I did indeed say, that's verse, 20, verse 30, that your house and the house of your father will walk before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. What does that tell you? Anytime God gives a promise of priesthood like this, that you will be a priest before him forever. You know what it means? Go and learn how to honor God. It's not you just relax and do nothing. You go and learn how to honor God. If God presses something upon you that you are going to be, let's say, a financial giant in the body, go and learn how to spend the money. That promise will not be fulfilled just because you saw a vision. Many visions are never fulfilled. Visions are supposed to give you guidance in life. Tell you how to order your life right. They tell you you are going to be a king. You're going to sit down. What are the commandments of God concerning kingship? 
It's not what, what are kings supposed to enjoy. What are the rights and privileges? No. What are the commandments of God concerning kingship? What does God expect of a king? You start learning it from the time you are young. And many people that may not even have the express commandment, you must understand something. This way God does, if you look at some of these um, uh, uh, you know, arrangement of things in the Bible, it's as if some people will appear and say they are afterthoughts. God didn't pick them initially. Now, it's not really like that, but just to show us a particular principle. That the one that is prepared that we use. So he chose Samuel and Saul. And then David was better prepared. He removed Saul and put David in there. Because David learned how to be a shepherd. So he was going to be a shepherd of God's people. I hope you're getting my point. How am I saying all of these things? Behind every obedience, all right, or every instruction, is the release of God's blessing and the fulfillment of his promise into our lives. Don't ever... Try to walk around them. Because many times he says nothing. God ordains you to get to level 100 in life just to make that as an illustration. You just neglect some little, little bits of obedience here and there. With each one you cut off one level. With each one you cut off another level. So many instead of getting to level 100, many people stop at level 55. And the 45 that they missed was simply because of disobedience to little things. Listen, we must crave instruction. We must crave it. If every, any week passes, you have not learned anything new, how to adjust your life to be more pleasing to God, it should worry you a bit. Ah, what am I doing? There's always one little thing to learn to release another level of divine you know, manifestations into our lives. Always one little thing. Can be in the way you talk. Can be in the way you relate with people. Can be the, the, the way you, you know, relate with the word of God. The, the way, you know, it's always about your character, your behavior, your beliefs. Yeah, it's very important. You must understand and believe the right things. If in your heart you hold on wrong uh, precepts, wrong concepts in your life, you shut off some things from you. It's very important. Like I said, that's a digression. Let's get back to the main message. So I'm talking about grace. That's why I went into all of that. Okay? The emphasis being that grace... Is what God is doing while we are obeying small, small things. The work of God is not hard in itself. It's obedience to those small instructions we have to discipline ourselves in. Every time God wants to accomplish something big, he gives us small things to do. Let me say that again. Every time he wants to accomplish something big, he gives us small things to do. Now, listen to this. The thing that is small is small relative to what he wants to do. But sometimes we may look at them as big, but they're actually small. Let me give you an example. Divide the Red Sea. Your name is Moses. How are you going to do that? You know God told Moses, go and divide it. You know that's what he said to him. Everybody was like, ah, what are we going to do? Egyptians are upon us. Moses went to the Lord. Lord! You know what God said? Why are you shouting to me? Why are you making your noise? Why are you crying to me? You, divide the Red Sea. And Moses understood that he had been given the power to do it. Now, please, there's a test in everything. And it's a test, can I use the word, it's a test of desire. When I say desire, God is checking our desire. What I mean by desire is this. Let me, just follow me, you'll get it in a moment. God puts a test to check Moses, do you really want these people to escape from the Egyptians? So it's a small thing, but God puts a test of perseverance. The test of persistence. He gives it to Moses. Do you get what I'm saying? Let me say it again. God wants to know. That's what I mean by test of desire earlier. He wants to check how much is testing your desire. Yeah, let me put it like that. 
God tests your desire, your seriousness. How does he do it? He uses perseverance and persistence to check it. So he says to Moses, you want to cross the Red Sea? Moses says, yes. He says, now divide it. And Moses had to keep his hands up for hours. The one you saw in a movie, somebody just took his stick and struck the, the Red Sea. It didn't happen. What he did was to carry, his, carry it up over the sea. Now, listen. Even if I gave you the biggest pumping machine in the world, you can't pump out that water. I hope you're getting my point. That pumping machine, as of today, hundreds and thousands of years later, does not exist. It doesn't exist with all the advancement in technology. The other day, some boys were trapped inside a, a cave. Which country is that? Is it Malaysia? Was it Malaysia? The school boys. They went on an excursion. They entered these caves. While they went inside the cave, it rained. And the water rose and blocked the entrance of the cave. And it was, it, now it, they were now getting to the peak of the rainy season. <laughs> so the water rose, of course. What happened was that, they, of course, rainy was getting... What I'm talking to is that they put pumps in there to try to pump the water out. It didn't work. They pumped and pumped and pumped for days. They couldn't pump the water out. It was rainy season. The amount of water returning was more than... They got, they got all the big pumps they could find. Because the other option was for divers to go in. Finally, they had to dive. Just by the way. It wasn't easy diving because the water was milky, you know, muddy water. So you couldn't see more than like one meter in front of you. So imagine if you are giving Moses all those pumping machines to move the Red Sea. <laughs> could he have accomplished anything? Of course not. And he had a limited time. They could see the Egyptian soldiers approaching. But God gave him an assignment, which was to throw a switch. That switch was the rod that he had to lift over the Red Sea. Now, what I'm talking about is that it didn't happen, the result did not happen in one hour. Even though he began to see results. But the full thing did not happen. It took at least half of the night. I don't know how many hours, but I don't think my own simple estimate was not less than four or five hours. Moses kept his hand up there. You know, we think he just struck it. Bam! No, he didn't strike it and then go to sleep. He kept his hand up. Some people tell you that we have been praying in this country. What's going on? I said, you don't know how it works. The moment you stop praying, the other people are praying. I don't know what I get to my point. There's an opposing force. You have to keep pushing the spiritual power until you cross a particular, you know, threshold. Thank you. There's a crest on the hill you must cross. Each time you stop, it starts rolling back against you. You keep pushing until you cross that crest of the hill so that something now keeps him pushing it down on the other side in which you have thoroughly frustrated the forces that are against you. They're not totally gone, but they become weak and you have become exponentially stronger. I hope you're getting my point. You don't totally relax your hand, ever. When people totally relax their hand, they go into you know, uh, backsliding. Like we see in a lot of European countries today. You will see intense darkness. You cover everywhere. But in the early, early parts, you keep pushing hard. The moment you relax, it rolls back. Just think about a heavy drum loaded. You're pushing up a hill. You can't stop. You wedge it. You use your shoulder. You use everything. You keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Gather more people to push until you cross the crest of that hill. In spiritual things, it doesn't ever continue rolling like that. It just becomes much easier. But you still have to keep on pushing. If I let you say, yes, 
Instead of saying the hill goes, that you reach a particular plane. That's better. The incline is now much smaller, very, very, very minute. But if you totally stop, it will start rolling back again and start gathering momentum. So you, you are persistent all the days of your life. But sometimes you're in a particular season in which it doesn't appear easy at all. And you start getting frustrated. You start hearing people say things like, can this country ever change? You know, God has given you as an assignment. Yes, in a country like ours, God has given you as an assignment. Conquer, win. And one of the problems we have, let me tell you quickly, it's called the, I think I wrote something about it, about the danger of prosperity. It's called the complacency of fools. I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. I'm using different expressions to say the same thing. The danger of prosperity, the complacency of fools. David, I was quoting David, he said, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. I am convinced. This is my own opinion. It's not scripture. I'm not reading from scripture. What I said up to now is scripture. I hope you get my point. What I'm about to say now is not, is what I derive from observing. I am convinced. All right? Just my own. That over the last, um, beginning from 1999, thereabout, when President Bassinger came into power, when we came into this democracy, I believe that we reached a particular level as Christians. We pushed to a particular level. And the release of that was manifested in that season. Around that season that President Bassinger came into power. And then we began to prosper. Yes, we began to prosper. Honestly, <laughs> we began to prosper. Of course, not everybody prospered. Are you, are you better my point? But the vast majority saw prosperity more than before. I remember when I just came to Enugu that time. I came to Enugu in 2000. I was working in or I came to resume working in UNTH. And, you know, parking was a bit of a problem. One guy said, ah, this is recent too. You know, to get a place to park, I should ask them to reserve a parking space for me. That before, who was parking here? Remember the time of um, Opel Omega? Where are those cars? <laughs> they all vanished. You know, there was a time they filled everywhere. I remember Opel Omega, Audi 80, you know. Yes, they were everywhere. People were just buying cars. So my people today, they say, it's new. I said, what happened? They say it was after our passenger came into power that all the civil servants began to buy cars like this. GSM was already in now, you understand? You know, GSM came shortly after that. Wow, that even accelerated our prosperity. Apart from the fact that the companies employed a lot of people, a lot of businesses opened. Those of us who were using their services, they were saving us money. Useless traveling ended. You could now make calls. People could not even marry. Because all you need to do to chase a woman is stay up till 12 midnight. Midnight call. If you wanted to marry, once you have a number, what are you people doing sleeping? You are too young to sleep. <laughs> once it's 12 midnight, when the phone calls have become very cheap or free, that's it. You start calling. I remember one day we went to my we went home with my parents, and at night I was hearing sweet, sweet, sweet. I thought I was hearing spirits. I woke up and the spirits would go away. I rebuked them by the you know the the the, the, the god of our of our geo just disappeared the spirits. <laughs> then I was sleeping again. I started hearing spirits. Ah, all these monitoring spirits that followed me to this place. Anyway, thank God I don't fear spirits. Then the next night, I slept again. This priest came back. Then I looked over. It's my brother. It was not the spirit. The G was phoning Amara at 12 midnight. I mean, because the house was full. You know, a lot of us travel, you know. 
So he and I would sleep in the sitting room. My wife, the kids were inside, you know, so oh, everywhere was kind of full. So he and I would just go and sleep in the sitting room. So me, I would just lie down there. The guy didn't want corner in this room. Ah. Okay, when I get up, he will keep going. <laughs> so that's how come the spirits were going away when I shout the name, the God of our father, of our daddy. <laughs> now, the Lord is good. So there's a lot of prosperity around that time. Yeah, no, we, we experienced, started hearing common people. When I say common, I mean like the average person who has, has some money saying he wants to go and rest. He's going to Dubai. So they can't rest in Abuja again. They can't even go to Calabar and rest. I see small, small boy preachers telling you that they just came back from the U.S. last week. <laughs> God, you look all of us. No, we prospered. I'm telling you, for a few years, were they prospering? Yes, we were. For a few years. And then you know the next thing that happened? God got tired. The reason he gave us prosperity, we're not doing it. We're building bigger churches. Then he gave us small, uh, small problem up north. Then we worsened our, his anger against us. Now, like I told you, this is my own assessment of the situation. I'm convinced of this. He tested us with prosperity and we massively failed as a church. We did. We massively failed. He said, my city's true prosperity shall yet be spread abroad. And what did we do? My city's true prosperity shall be concentrated in one place. We're building bigger things. We're living larger. Then God said, let me test them a bit. So he gave us crisis in a part of the country. So what did we do? We withdrew missionaries. And we kept on withdrawing. We kept on withdrawing. Why? We are receding to where we are safe. We think that we are rich. We have become rich and we lack nothing. We start making statements like, why is anybody doing ministry in Zamfara? Why are you not doing your ministry in Lagos? Why are you not doing ministry in Abuja? You know, a lot of Christians don't understand that ministry is not just the words, it's also the location. You are sent to a people. They say, you can be preaching in Abuja too now. What, what, are you do, what are you doing in Kaduna? What are you doing in Katsina? There's, there are souls also in, uh, in Port Harcourt. <laughs> this is not souls you are looking for in Port Harcourt. It's all money. Only. There's a lot of Jagudaism in our, in our doctrines. You know what they call Jagudaism? Don't worry, to enter the dictionary in about 25 years' time. But right now, don't learn it from me. Jagudaism. A thug and a thief. There's a lot of it in our doctrines. You forget, go and read stories. People like Pa Elton, God told them where to go. You are going to Elisha. What's the name of the other man that God sent to Jagba? You know, you have heard of the story of that man? There's one place in, is it Kogi or Kwara, where it, where it is right now? All the way from Europe. Most of Nigerians have not even heard the name of the town till today. Can you believe it? Nigerians have not heard the name of the town till today. But we began to withdraw ourselves, so God said, it's enough, oh yeah? Collect their prosperity. So dollar went from 120, he hit 360, and we said, well, dollar said, I have not finished. <laughs> then he moved, he reached 400, he said, Lord, easy now. He said, no, 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 I'm going somewhere. Right now it's on 503. Let me not prophesy more than that, so because some of you get scared. If I tell you where it is going, don't worry, it will come back, it will come back down. Oh, don't worry, it will come back down. It, listen, is that not going to come back down 
directly, or the law will supply more cash to catch up with it. I hope you're getting my point. Because whether you, even if you say it's one million, if you have one million times what you had before, it's the same thing. Yeah, are you getting my point? But so don't worry, don't, 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 don't be alarmed. But it's good we say these things so that Christians can hear it ahead of time. Don't ever spend more money enjoying yourself than you have given to the work of ministry. Now, don't mean giving to church. I'm not trying to raise money. I hope you're getting my point. There's what I call work of ministry. Work of, look, there's ministry in different areas. If you want to know whether you really are prosperous or not, check how much you are giving, not how much you are eating. Bear that in mind. So, I'm not going to say that sometimes we mount pressure. I hope you're getting my point. We need to. That's the way it is. You keep mounting the pressure until you cross that particular threshold, until you, you know, take a major corner in that term, race. You take a major bend in that race until you cross a particular place on that graph where it suddenly becomes easier. And then, like I said, you still persist and you continue to do the work with which you began the whole success story. It's very important you will bear that in mind. So, like we're saying, so what is grace? Grace simply means that God has given us something small to do so that he can do something great. But I, no, I was talking about the test of what? Patience and perseverance. Persistence. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. Three different P's to say. Patience, persistence, perseverance. All of them saying the same thing. So God gives it to us as a, sign of, as a test of our desire. So Moses had to keep the hands up when he was fighting against them, when Joshua was at Amalek. Was it Amalek, right? When Joshua was fighting at Amalek. Remember the story now? Yes. When Moses and um, Aaron... No, Aaron and how I wanted to say, how to hold up the hands of Moses is the same thing. In, the hands needed to be kept up until the, va- the, the battle will be accomplished. The hands needed to be kept up. I hope you follow my point. You can't say that what is going on in this country. Israel is looking, losing the battle against um, uh, Amalek. Without asking yourself, where are the hands of Moses? At what level? At what level? Why, when you do the story about the church in Nigeria and what happened in the, you know, in the year 2000 and for about 10 years afterwards, all right, even for up to 15 years afterwards, is the point I'm making. People, we dropped our hands because of prosperity. I hope I get my point. We dropped it. We had seen some results. So we dropped our hands because of prosperity. We're not preaching funny gospels, some gospels that make no sense. There are messages only preached to people that are in the center of prosperity. How do you go to South Sudan and say, sow a seed? They'll be looking at you, which seed? Give me the seed first. <laughs> do you follow my point? There are, you know, there are doctrines that belong to... See, when you, are, when you have begun to prosper, some doctrines, are, you know, they, they work. When you're extreme prosperity, you also forget the doctrine. But when you're in that edge of... When you're in that middle zone, where you can step into the, what they call the lower upper... You know, the, Upper, no, I'm looking for middle class. Upper middle class, yes. You are in the middle, but you can step into the upper middle before you get to the top level. Start preaching stupid doctrines. Foolish doctrines that as you are giving now, God be multiplying. Listen, those are doctrines. They don't, they don't preach those doctrines. Go and check it. Nobody goes to a refugee camp and preaches that. They don't, you, you preach it there? No, you can't. Have you ever been to a refugee camp anyway? There are things who don't preach where people are in serious poverty. They don't say it. They don't. <laughs> you won't even dare say it. And there are things you don't preach to those who have 
that have hammered big time. Can't tell Bill Gates so a seed. He wants it all after. So that God can give me what? He said, No, I don't want to go to the moon. Go and meet um, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. I was never a third guy. Richard Branson. Uh-huh. So those are people who are going to the moon. Say, so what should I now sow? What should I sow for? I sow a seed for the redemption of the third generation. I have some foolish doc- doctrines. Money has a way of making us mad. We got to that point, we started preaching all sorts of things. But we are repenting, amen? amen. Why won't we repent? Boko Haram has taught us repentance. Why won't we repent? Headsmen have taught us repentance. Bandits are teaching us repentance. Now, when you gather where people are, they don't have time for seed, so they have time to cry to God, the deliverer. That was what happened when we dropped our hands. It was because we saw a bit of prosperity. It wasn't good. The way we reacted. Take this word warning as a prophetic warning. Prosperity is coming back. Now, it's not of desire. All right, I'm just telling you the matter of fact. The only thing is I don't do what you did at first. Preach it to every Christian. Don't do what... There's no glory going to Dubai or going to buy a house in uh, where? In America because they prosper you small. Nigerians are the worst enemies of Nigeria. The average Nigerians. And that's a matter of fact. It's painful when Christians behave like that. Prosper them small. Go and check where they invest their money. They say this country is not safe. The Lord is good. So we drop the ball. That's what we make. We dropped our hands. We had not yet crossed that level. We hadn't. Yet we dropped our hands. So Amalek now began to win. And that's what we are dealing with right now. And I want to get back to the issue of what believers need to do. Remember, the weapons of the intercessor is not hard, actually, compared to the result that it's going to get. But he has to be persistent. The hands of Moses must be kept up. When Joshua returned to Ai to go and fight that decisive battle, he, he didn't go there personally himself. He learned the lesson. He stood some distance off and spread his, his, stressed his javelin towards the place and did not withdraw, withdraw his hand until they had the victory complete. It's very important, believers, for us to understand it. So what is that weapon? What's that weapon? Quickly. Now, I've emphasized the fact that we will that weapon. is grace. It may appear difficult, physically speaking, but when we check the result it's getting, it's actually very simple. It's actually very, very simple. But it requires persistence. It requires determination. It requires a sense of purpose. You knowing that nothing, all right, will stop you. Understand that nothing will stop you. Like I said last time, I said, tell your neighbor that the worst that will happen is that you will die. Is that not so? Uh-huh. But you will die for a good cause. Knowing that, listen, that which you contributed must bear fruit one day. It's just, a, it's just a mindset you must have. It's just a mindset. That soldier's mindset. That determined mindset. That whatever it will take, we are giving it to it. And what God is asking us to do is just give it persistence. Is give it patience. Perseverance. That's all. Let me emphasize, explain that perseverance again. It's the kind of perseverance that you will never see. You know, I thought about it, was it this morning? I was just meditating. If God comes to me now, are you getting my point? Listen to me, I'm telling you the fact. And God is by your grace, I'm not bragging. So if it happens like that, take the glory too. 
If God does me Job, you know what I call it? To do somebody Job. Apostle, what does it mean to do Job? Children, prosperity, ministry, everything disappear. Their health goes. God, don't do me Job. I'm just trying to explain something to people. It's true now. Job and Jesus, now don't try. Me, now join us. <laughs> join the rest of us. <laughs> I thought about it this morning. I said, if God does that, what will I do? Nothing. I won't come to preach for a few weeks because I'll be so down and mourning. In fact, I'm already sick. You know my job now? Sickness is inside. Uh-huh. But when I recover, I'm going to preach again. And I'll start the message with, though he slays me, yet will I trust him. That's what I'm trying to explain. That's that kind of perseverance. Not let us give so that we'll get. And if we don't get, we'll start getting confused. Let us pray so we'll see results. If we don't see results, we'll start getting confused. Now, many people have learned the principles of church growth. Church is not grow. <laughs> I always tell people, say, forget this church growth thing. Just learn the principle of right ministry. I hope you're getting my point. Just do the right ministry. My Father in heaven. When I see some people that some men will go submitting to, now I wonder. So you will see Baba Lao, you will submit. You know, this is our wizard of Endor. Do you know Christians went to submit to him? It's amazing. That's because they didn't understand this principle. What I call the Job principle. That when we put our hands on the plow, we don't look back. If they say prophesy, we just continue to prophesy. If he doesn't get results, that's, the prophetic, that's his prophetic problem. I don't know what I get my point. He doesn't get any results. Eh? Am I the one that said prophesy? Just prophesy. Go and meet the person who said prophesy. <laughs> They've been prophesying for a long time. Things have not changed. They change later. After I died, maybe. Do I know? Do I look like God? That attitude is important to Christianity. You have to have this, sorry to use the expression, fatalistic attitude. So we be, <laughs> I like one thing, Kenegi, it's a very, very interesting. He's, he was a healing minister. He said, I've laid hands on people before. They, I think laid hands on them, they died. And I laid hands on the next person. You won't discourage me because of your death. I'm a called minister. Your death cannot change it. Why were you not healed? I don't know. Do I look like I know everything? Some people say that is proof that you are not called. No, it's proof that you are dead. Doesn't mean anything more than that. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything more than that. Before you go, was that, do I know why God is killing you? He's not going to admit me that. If you pray for somebody, it doesn't get results. That's his problem. Say, so, Pastor, what happened? I don't know. Do I look like I know? I will not be there trying to explain, you know, God, you know, it's not be explaining nonsense and explaining. We pray for the person. Did he get hit? No, what happened? He died, eh? We give the Lord thanks. If I like one thing, um, what's the name of this man? Jack Hayford. Jack Hayford said, if any Christian dies, it's the will of God. Yes, he said, David Post also said it. He said, but before they die, it's not the will of God. <laughs> That's Jack Hayford's principle. That if you are sick, it's the will of God that you should be healed. So we'll pray and pray and pray until you get well. He said, if you don't get well, there is the will of God that you died. That attitude is important. He said, if the person is still alive, I think it's Jack Hayford and David Post. Maybe mixing those two things up. But this is a summary of it. And I think the attitude is so right. Say, so if you are sick, we will pray. What's the will of God? Get well. We won't change our minds. Yeah, it's Jack Hayford. There's a reason why. Yes, yeah, Jack Hayford. Say, so we'll continue to pray. It's the will of God. But if the person, the person now dies, 
And we'll turn around and say, that's the will of God. But we'll not be discouraged. Next person falls sick, we start praying again. And we're not praying like he, we don't know what will happen. We, we, we pray. Just pray. I don't know how to say it. We just pray, believing God that his will is that the person gets where we we'll read all the scriptures. You know what? If you have that attitude, you will see many people healed. Oh, you will see multitudes healed. You will see many get healed. Some people, they pray. They don't get it. They get discouraged. Listen. Paracetamol. How many people know paracetamol? It's a very popular drug. Doctors, nurses, all health workers, they use it a lot, prescribe it a lot. In fact, it's an over-the-counter drug. You don't need the prescription to buy it. You know the truth? A lot of times it doesn't work. Yes, now. How can it work all the time? But guess what? People are still buying it. Doctors are still prescribing it. Let me add this other part to it. And it's still working. It didn't work under circumstances. I have not made those changes. When it's come to prayer now, we want to not throw it away. You are getting my point? It's lack of faith. It's lack of faith. It's lack of faith. Listen, you know, I work in the teaching hospital. People, they come there, they die well, well. Some people said they were not even sick. They just came there. They still died. <laughs> so, what do you mean? That? Never heard of what they call medical mistakes. Hey, this Nigeria is dangerous. No. In America, they say every year, more people die from medical errors than died in the Vietnam War. And in case you do not know, 55,000 Americans died in the Vietnam War. 55,000. Do you know what? People still go to hospital. You know why? They have faith. All this one of God didn't do something for me quickly, I run away. It's lack of faith from the beginning. That dogged persistence is what I'm talking about. So that even if God jobs you, you answer like Job, even though he slays me, yet I will trust him. Those are the people that release the power of God into the earth. Let's open our Bibles, the book of Jeremiah. So I'm talking about the weapon of the intercessor. Jeremiah chapter 1. I've said all of this to let us know the work of God for us is not hard. That's the work he has given us to do. But we must be persistent in doing it. This is the only weapon. One day, brother, he sent, I don't know, did we speak about it or he sent somebody to me? Or was it a chat message? Can't remember. But this was the summary of it. He said, in those Christians who are in the police, you know, military, DSS, all right, that's the, the uh, what they call state security agency in Nigeria. So they have gathered some of them together, good Christians, to start catching pastors who tell lies, who do lying miracles. So, He now asked my, was very wise, he said to send a message to me that, what do I think? Okay, they now asked him to come and join. He wasn't when I started it. They asked him to come and join, him being a minister of the gospel. So he asked me, Oga, what do you think? <laughs> he called me daddy. <laughs> and this was long ago. I was not as daddy as this right now. <laughs> Why do we like to call our senior preacher's daddy? <laughs> Respect, Abby. The other day I went to preach somewhere. I won't mention where. You see old women kneeling down for me, calling me daddy. I said, oh, pardon. This ministry work is serious. Though. <laughs> I know he called me daddy. He said, daddy, what do you think? I said, oh boy, leave that job. You're not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's in the Bible like that. You go and reap, you go and harvest the wheat while you're trying to uproot the tears. You now spoil it. I said, leave it. You can't, you're not the judge of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
The word of God knows how to separate them. You, you don't. I said, just leave them. Just leave them. It's not the weapon of Christians to go and be. I said, of course. I said, don't worry. In their time, God will know how to harvest people. And listen, if you are like that, you know, this is the season. First fruit has gone. You know that. Once there's first fruit, it means the harvest has come. He that has understanding, you hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Anytime there's first fruit, harvest has come. I was on, uh, something led to it. I, I, I was watching one of them on TV. Not one. I saw many of them on TV. I just shook my head. I said, see harvest. I was, <laughs> I said, see harvest. God be harvest. If you read your scriptures, it's a call for the vultures. Come and eat your field. Come and engorge yourself on the flesh of men. The other day, my friend and I were discussing about the wizard of uh, the wizard of Endor. I said, anybody that rebuilds that first, the place is going to become a desolate place. It's going to become a desolation. Then God said, let me see the person that will rebuild it. Jeremiah chapter one. So we have our weapons. That's the point I'm making. Tell everybody, oh, there's a narrow season. I need to say that. Between the time John the Baptist is taken, once John the Baptist has been taken into custody, and Jesus begins to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. This, the, the days of repentance have been narrowed down. They are now counting in just a number of days. As soon as John went into, into prison, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into prison, he began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He preached the message of John for a short while. They began to heal the sick. Once he began to heal the sick, the door was closed. The season of repentance is small. It has become very short. I'm speaking mostly to ministers. You won't drive this car to heaven. I hope you get my point. You won't carry the house to heaven. Why do you want to mortgage your, your destiny because of prosperity? My wife and I were watching that guy. Was he yesterday for his on TV? <laughs> so I was like, why is he shouting? The guy was shouting. And daddy, I connected with this because immediately we bought the land. I said, oh boy, that land can be graveyard. Leave all these things. They shouting, I connected with this, with this ministry immediately. The guy didn't say one revelation that God gave to him. Not, he just, the church is now bigger. We have bought our land. I have a car. I bought a brand new car. I told my wife, that car is not brand new. This guy does not even know what they call a brand new car. Except. But she does the picture of one 2010 motor. And they tell us, hey, buy a new motor. Poverty is a terrible thing. People, Nigerians in that a car that's 12 years old is new. Just because you just got it. The man you bought it from is tired of it. That's why he sold it. What's, wrong? What's your problem? The car was there making noise. I told my wife, what's all this noise for? For material things. Hey. Anyway, what I've said, sorry, sorry to confuse many people. Those who are supposed to hear, they are hearing it. Oh, they are hearing it. They are hearing it. They are hearing it. You remind of that one, right? Yeah, the weapon that intercessors use. Let's look at them. Let's start from verse uh, 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. 
Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Please, I need to read that verse 9 again. No, let me back up to verse 8. No, let me back up to verse 7. I'll read a few lines. No, let me back up to verse 6. We read it before. I just want to tie a few things together. After the Lord called him in verse 5. Sorry. It may have start afresh. I don't blame you for saying so. Alright, let's summarize it. We just have a fresh. So after God told him in verse 4. <laughs> Some of you are wondering, what's worrying this guy? I don't know too. You know, when people are drunk, they start misbehaving. Maybe I'm drunk in the spirit, amen? Alright, so from verse 5. So the Lord said to him, I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. He protested, said, Lord, I'm too young. That's in verse 6. The Lord now said, listen, don't say I'm a youth. Now this is a solution. Everywhere I send you, you just go there. And all that I command you, you speak that. Don't be afraid. Now verse 9. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. This one I said I wanted to repeat. I just wanted to get back into context, alright? And said, and the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Remember Jeremiah was appointed a prophet. I have put my words in your mouth. What's the purpose? Verse 10, this is the purpose of the words I have put in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. What are you supposed to do? To pluck up, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow. Then, to build and to plant. That's what many people don't understand. You cannot plant effectively and build effectively except you first pluck up. It's a natural thing. That's how agriculture is. It's what they call pre-planting operations in agriculture. Yes. You have to uproot the trees, the shrubs, things that are there. You pull them down. You pluck them up. You break down the ground. You understand what I'm saying? You remove all those things. You plow. Then you harrow. Plow, you turn everything upside down. Then you break it to pieces. Your pre-planting operation is mostly destructive. Yes. He said, then what do you do? You build, and then you plant. You see, that's why, you've heard me say before, judgment goes before blessing. That's the way it works. In your personal life, you can avoid judgment. How do you do that? Give me one word. How do you do it? You judge yourself. So what's the result of that? Repentance. Thank you. How do you avoid God judging you? You judge yourself, and then you go into repentance. The same thing. Two different ways to put it. But judgment must always go before Blessing. So you can judge yourself so that you will not be judged. And that's what we call repentance. So anytime you repent, the punishment is applied retrospectively. Is that word okay? I don't know. To Jesus Christ. You get a credit for the suffering that Jesus suffered for sins because of repentance. But people that don't repent, they must go through the judgment. 
And if, they are, if God wants to bless an environment, it's the same thing. He will punish evildoers. He will uproot them. He will remove their roots. He will. So this nation, you never, you, we have not seen anything yet. You know this man, that our prophet the other day, Apostle, the other prophet, you know he said that, the genuine prophet, I don't mean, don't mean wizards. I mean genuine prophets. He said that our troubles will continue to what year? 2023, that's what he said. He said we have two years to go. Some people say, hey, ah, okay. no, no, don't faint, don't faint. Rise up and be healed. So I'm with you. <laughs> but what prayer we are praying is that, you know, the Bible says that you can shorten the days of judgment with prayer. Of course, what you do is that it's quick repentance and prayer. Okay? You can shorten the days. And then, even though the Lord says it lasts in 2023, you can also pray that it begins to win quickly. And then you fortify your environment and those that you love with the mercy of God through prayer. Intercession. Yes. All right? But what I just want to bring out from there is that that's just the way it goes. We pluck up, we break down, we destroy, and we overthrow before we can build and we can plant. But our emphasis for today is on the weapon. What is that weapon? It's verse 9. What's the weapon? The words I have put in your mouth. What's the weapon? The word of God in our mouth. Now repeat that. What's the weapon? What's the weapon? That my brother that said, let's go and arrest people. I told him, no, it doesn't work like that. You can't arrest anybody. What's the weapon? The word of God in our mouth. I hope you know that weapon is very dangerous. Oh, it is very dangerous. In fact, if you are the criminal, spiritual criminal, it's better you are arrested by earthly police. I'm telling you. Because this weapon is very dangerous. You know, there's one particular scripture, the day I read it, I have this habit of confusing the two of them. You know Ezekiel and Jeremiah? If you read both books, you won't know who said what, and you'll just be mixing them up. Good enough, it's okay to mix them up. They are very, they are very alike. I'm not likely to get it wrong. <laughs> but let's read Ezekiel chapter 11. I want to show you something, the potency of that weapon. Can I quickly say this? There's a way the word of God works, all right? Even you, you'll be surprised when it has finished working. You hear what I said? That the word of God works in a funny way. You'll be surprised at some things that it will do. And this is what I'm trying to teach this evening, talking about the weapon of the intercessor. I don't, please follow me here, all right? Christians, be very careful that you do not pray your reactions. How do I say it now? The other day, there was a particular, this petroleum industry bill. Is, is that what they call it? This PIB, is that the full meaning? Yes. So the Jesus flying around. A lot of Jesus flying up and down as a result of it. It's unjust, it's unjust, it's unjust. So one of our brethren posted it that we should, I think, posted the prayer meeting and prayer point from another group to our group. I just answered though. I said, please though. David said, I don't involve myself in matters too difficult for me. I said, I don't know the laws governing petroleum industry in Nigeria. I don't know how they work. I have not spoken with any of the senators that passed this bill, or House of Rep. I don't know whoever did. I said, I don't know. I said, the southern senators, were they not there? Do you get my point? So I said, and then I particularly hate, I despise personally. When you want to show something, you're not divided north-south. I think Christians should not get involved in that north-south thing. Yes, I'm sorry. Christians, don't get involved. 
Don't get involved in this north-south prayer, north-south thinking, north-south this. Don't, 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 don't. In fact, now what I want to say is funny, all right? It's not part of the message. It's not the word of God. It's my personal opinion. I say if I'm a member of uh, state, um, if I'm a governor in the south, like Governor Akiri Doluzi, he's current chairman of Southern Governors, have you? Anyway, those men. I said, if I wanted to call Southern Governors Meeting, I would call two governors, one or two governors from the north to come and join. Now, this is not the word of God. Don't say, the prophet said, I'm not a prophet in that regard. I hope you're getting my point. I have my own funny political opinions. He said, Pastor Mike, why would you do that? I just don't, you see, I don't like what I call, no, okay, you know what they call reverse racism? Yes, reverse racism develops, and there's a lot of reverse tribalism. And I've seen people generate tribalism where there was no tribalism because they went in there, started doing tribalism things. So the people had to react. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Let us assume now, you know, okay, I come from Western Nigeria. I mean, I made the head somewhere in one institution in Enugu here. And nobody really gives a damn where I'm coming from, and they have, everybody's happy with me. The next thing I make, 10 appointments, and six of them, the people came come from Western. And the people just say, oh, bro, 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 come now. All of a sudden, when did all these uh, Odua nation people, I went, <laughs> when did they start showing interest in Enugu? Now, nobody was thinking of where I came from until I began that. So I've now made it a focus. I'm very careful of that thing. And I think an average Christian should be careful. So you now find reverse tribalism will now start. Why? Because I introduced it. I've seen people do it. Everybody was just, I mean, forget tribe, statilism, senatorial districtism. You know they call senatorial districts? Enugu West, Enugu East, and Enugu. Is it North or Central? North. People start, we have to be careful. That's just my own personal reason why, even though we may say we have a unique problem that doesn't involve our brethren from the North, if I was there, personally, I would say, bring one of those people. Come and sit in. So that all the discussion, you will see it. Nothing is hidden. Because if you see it like that, so it's not like we are ganging up, conspiring again. So because when you do that, the other people will go and gather again. Before you know what's happening, you've caught the whole thing. Everybody's now suspicious of each other. So then I say, no, you come. You don't have to come yourself. Send three of your deputy governors to come and sit in our meetings. So you see the problems we are having. By the time you hear our side of the story, maybe you will go back home and go and tell the people, look at what these guys are going through. But when we put ourselves in one corner... People will just imagine what we are doing. And so if we really have nothing, or, or you know, that the world should not know, just to prevent that kind of acrimony, I personally will say, please send two or three of your deputy governors to come and sit in on the meeting. They won't contribute. But just be observers. So that we'll know that we're not trying to, we have nothing against you as individuals. We have peculiar problems we are trying to solve. That's just my own take. Let me get back to my main thing I was trying to say. Now, that's my own personal political opinion. I hope you get my point. Which, if we're not streaming, I'll probably remove from this message. It's not part of the message at all. So, let me now get back to my message. Now, why I went into that is that that prayer point contained this um, north-south thing. Remember, I was talking about one prayer point. And I just, I reacted. I said, please, oh, me. I don't like prayer points that contain north-south. Division. I don't like it. I don't pray it. I don't get involved in it. I think it's not a good division for me to use to pray as a believer. That's number one. Number two, petroleum industry. 
I don't know what they do there. I don't know. I don't know the current rules that govern it. I don't like when you, it's like they, they, they release, um, what they call it, new, new banking regulations, and I give it to me to use to pray. Do, what do I know? Just keep my money safe and give me small interest on the one I live there. That's what I care about, really. Keep my money safe. And if, any, if anybody uses my ATM to thief money, catch the person and give my money back. All the regulation used to achieve this, no concern me. It's none of my business. So when you bring prayers in that area, I'll just be doing, that's the time I speak in tongues. Because I do not understand what is going on. It doesn't go in the spirit. That one is not hard. <coughs> it's true. That's why I tell believers, eh? you know, let's be careful. Don't pray. Not only ineffective prayers, but negative prayers. Because sometimes you end up praying against the answer to your prayer. I hope you're getting my point. When, assuming you are an Egyptian and you wanted to pray, somebody revealed to you that famine is coming and you all gathered to pray. There's going to be seven years of famine. It doesn't tell you more than that. You are in church, Egyptian church, of the firstborn ones. You know, they just assume that's the name of the church. And then they say pray. As you are praying, somebody say, ah, and I see. Seven years, famine upon this land. And the famine is so devastating. People are dying all over the place. Let's begin to pray. They will begin to pray against the famine, against death from hunger, right? The next day you buy newspaper. The Pharaoh just appointed a Hebrew slave as the prime minister. Brethren, this is not right. There are sons in this land, are they not? Yes. There are free born Sons of Egypt. Why should he be a stranger that will be our prime minister? Let's pray against injustice. In the name of Jesus. Ah, every stranger that wants to be prime minister here, die. Die. <laughs> and then Joseph falls down and dies. All of you now die from famine. Of course, you, you won't know initially because first seven years of prosperity. Brethren, is good to kill your enemy. Because your vision did not show there was going to be seven first years of prosperity. Then you eat large. You chop. Say, bro, let's thank God. The amount of belching we belch after each meal. This is prosperity. After seven years, your deliverer died because of your prayer. Think about it. Please think about it. So I tell Christians, be very careful. When they bring me all those funny specific, especially when it comes to appointments, I don't pray the prayer. I don't. Why they appoint the man? I don't know. Do I look like God? All power belongs to who? To God. Thank you. Yeah. He gives the kingdoms to whosoever he wishes. And says upon him the least qualified of men. So you are going to have a, a, a director general in one, in one parasita in Nigeria that failed primary school. You won't like it, but didn't you quote the scripture? That I give. <laughs> Why is that when the scripture is working against our thinking? We start revolting. There were more qualified people there. It's in your Bible. He gives the kingdom to whosoever he wishes and sets upon it the lowliest. We don't like it. Favor is not fair until it is unfair to us. 
Is that, not, is that how we declare it? Favor is not fair. You are going to be promoted. Amen. Then when you promote somebody else, you think you are the only one God wants to favor? This is what I'm making. So believers, I say, listen, I don't believe in very specific prayers. People say be specific, I don't believe a word of it. The word of God can think. Say so the word of God is alive and active. What does it mean by that? It means the word of God is a living being. It makes decisions. You know, this world now, we are trying to de- develop what they call artificial intelligence. What's artificial intelligence? Like your car is driving on the road. You can sit at the back. The car will know when to stop, when to start. It will tell this is a KK coming on that side. Stop. It's a red light. Stop. You know, it's already happening. You have cars that are alive and active. It's called Google Car. Autonomous driving. The original intelligence is the word of God. That's where I'm going. It knows when to kill. It knows when to make, to retain a life. It knows when to give life. He knows it. So what he expects you to do is just release the weapon, which is the word of God. So if you see a law, a petroleum industry bill in Nigeria, if you don't like it, you go to God. Lord, you are just. Lord, you are good. We have asked you for prosperity. Do as your will is in that area in the name of Jesus. Don't, you don't know. Do you know? You don't know it. Lord, establish righteousness. That's, what, that's how you pray prayers like that. What you want is righteousness and prosperity. Is that not all? Uh-huh. Stop giving details. Because you don't know when they are going to appoint Joseph, who we are going to kill because he's not an Egyptian, and you are an Egyptian. This example I want to give. Ezekiel chapter 11. I'll read from verse 1. I will jump here and there until I get to verse 13. It says, Moreover, the, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house, which faced eastward. And behold, there were 25 men at the entrance of the gate. And among them I saw Jezaniah, the son of Azor, and Pelatia, son of Beniah, leaders of the people. He said to me, Son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and give evil advice in this city, who say the time is not near to build houses. This city is the port, and we are the flesh. Therefore, prophesy against them, Son of man. Prophesy. Then the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me, and he said to me, Say, Thus says the Lord, so you think, house of Israel, that I, for I know your thoughts. You have multiplied your slain in this city, filling its streets with them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, your slain whom you have laid in the midst of the city are the flesh, and the city is the port, but I will bring you out of it. You have feared a sword, so I will bring a sword upon you, the Lord God declares. And I will bring you out of, in, of the midst of the city, and deliver you into the hands of strangers, and execute judgments against you. You will fall by the sword, I will judge you to the border of Israel, so you will know that I am the Lord. This city will not be a port for you. Nor will you be flesh in the midst of it, but I will judge you to the border of Israel. Thus you will know that I am the Lord, for you have not walked in my statutes, nor have you executed my ordinances, but I have acted according to the ordinances of the nations around you. Now look at verse 13. Now it came about as I prophesied that Pelatia, son of Benaiah, died. <laughs> this is why I read this. Did you ask the man to die? Did you ask him to die? Did he say any direct word against Pelatia? Nothing. 
God showed him, look at the people causing the trouble. Then the man prophesied against the whole house of Israel and Pilatia died. Do you know why Pilatia died? I'll tell you. Because the word of God is living and active. Let me stop it here. The word of God is living and active. Your duty is what? Just prophesy the word. That my brother that wanted to be arresting people. It's not necessary. Prophesy the word. The word will arrest those he's supposed to arrest. It will expose. Look at when the world wanted to expose some people. Three of them did the same miracle on social media. Sorry, in the crusade. It was on social media. God arrested. There was one I saw yesterday. I laughed. Pastor Corey was nothing to me. I had a good laugh. In fact, he said somebody told him after. Send it to Pastor Corey. Pastor Banky is good to laugh. I said, I've already laughed. Wait, where is it? It's on my phone. One man said, Listen to me. England. <laughs> You saw it? He said, England will beat Italy. He said, that is the work of the prophet. I said, that's the problem. That is where the problem is. When the work of the prophet is to be predicting football matches. He said, hear me. England will beat Italy. He said, I saw it. (laughs) You know, I felt sorry for the man. You know, the problem with all these people there, eh, for ministers, listen to this. They want to prove the authenticity of their prophetic calling. Yes, sir. Which is not necessary. If you're a true prophet, don't bother to prove anything. Uh, Utter the word and go home. Some of them will not come to pass. Not because they are fake. Jonah, did this word come to pass? Not for the next how many say, generations. Against the living. But he gave time, he said 40 days. Nothing happened in 40 days. Tony Bakari said something. I don't know who reported it to me. I didn't hear directly from his mouth, so I'd like to just say that. But I know the rest of the story. He finished in church. His wife said, did you hear what you said? You know what I told me? So I said, did you hear what you said? So what did I say? He quoted, she quoted it for him. To him, it didn't make any sense. He said, but leave it now. That's what the Lord said. That's when he said, NRC will lose, but SDP will not win. And there were only two political parties in Nigeria. And two of them were running for an election. And he said, LRC, there were two parties going for one election. He said, NRC will lose, SDP will not win. And his wife said, look at what you said. He said, eh. When he heard it, eh, that's what I said. And eh, leave it now. That's what I said. That's the end of it. I see all of this. One day I saw somebody on one guy. I think it was on YouTube. Trying to show that he prophesied that there will be an earthquake. He prophesied. I said, why are you not stitching into the intruder of their ministry? The man of God, they will not show you one prophecy he gave. I see earthquake. Nonsense. Earth is always quaking. Come on, don't worry us. Ah. Just go and check history over the last few, few, few years. There will be no month. Earth will not quake somewhere. This earth is quaking. <laughs> no, this earth is old. You get my point? It's faulty. You know, just, just like I say, I see car breakdown. I mean, half of the cars are more than 20 years old. Why won't they break down? Trying to prove that you're a genuine prophet. The Lord is good. What am I trying to explain? Listen, this is real prophecy. Take the word of God, release it out there. Let the word do his own work. Ezekiel did not ask anybody to die. He uttered the word of God. The word of God killed somebody. Please, I'm not the one that killed General Abachao. I hope you're getting my point. Don't quote me. That we finally found the man of God that killed him. It's not me. 
Let's leave it like that. <laughs> what I'm telling the story is that a week before he died, no, a month before he died, which month did he die? June. Yeah, this was around May 1st. I had something, be- something between 27th to 2nd of May, I made this statement. I was, I was telling my brethren, please, the Bible didn't say we should criticize the head of state. What they said we should do is to pray for him. And I admonished people and said, listen, you don't like him. I said, that's your problem. The day God is tired, God will remove him. I said, God, the word I use, I said, when God is tired, he will kill him. So what's your problem? Three weeks later, the man died. I didn't pray that he should die. Why should I pray that he should die? For what now? Do you know, if you are praying good prayers according to the word of God for a person, that prayer can kill the person. Yeah, and you wouldn't be, wouldn't be the one that killed the individual. I was talking one of our sisters the other day, we were talking about some issues. He said, there are people that you... <laughs> we are streaming, have we? Let's leave it. No, okay, uh, let me say something, then I will... He said, there are families you are praying for, and you will know their, deli- their deliverance will be at the cost of the life of their father. So sometimes you will interrupt the prayer and say, are you guys ready for that? If you are not, let's end this prayer. Let's, let me go home. And they are not going to mention the fellow's name. See, they will not mention the individual's name. They will just pray a kind of deliverance prayer that kills. And they won't, the man is on this side. They are praying freedom on this side. But say from experience, they just know that, Kai, you release these people, this man is going. Sometimes out of concern, just slow down and say, please, we are going to pray, but I just want to warn you ahead of time. This will be the consequence. Lord is good. My emphasis on all of this is to let us know that this is a weapon of the intercessor. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. It's not personal desire. It's not personal fine analysis. It's simply the release of God's word into the air. If God allows, I had hoped that I would spend more time doing this today, but let's begin it, and then I must bear it in mind. Maybe we might continue next time. Maybe I'll even just allow you to just start it so that I will not interrupt. I talk too much. That's part of my problem. The Lord is good. Because we are praying for Nigeria. Are, of course, this is how it's supposed to go. Let me just quickly remind us of it. This is how you pray for a country. Now, why do we pray for Nigeria? Let me quickly let you know. Let me just tell you the reason. It's not just because it's our country. That's part of the reason. That is our country. Do you understand that? Your country is not Somalia. If you're a Nigerian and your country is Somalia, say amen. Okay, you're not from Somalia. And you have not been sent to Somalia. There are times you are not from a country, but you have been sent there. Like Pyotin was sent to us. Like that other man that was in Jagba, I forgot him, he was sent to that place. So that place became their own. Do you get my point? So right now, Nigeria is mine. And most of us here is ours. And if you are streaming from somewhere, please locate which one is your country. You may be an Ethiopian. I've, I've gotten messages from people in Ethiopia asking to translate our books to their local language. Yes. So that's their country. They have a lot of crisis there. Now, there's civil war in Ethiopia. You know that. They declared ceasefire last week. But they need to pray. They need to pray. Ethiopians need to pray for their country. They need to. War is not good. War is not good. Please, oh, war is not good. Oh. <laughs> war is not good. Ethiopians are having war. I mean, it has died down a bit now. But then, it's a real civil war. And... Technically, the country has been divided. The Tigray region is basically out of the country for now. Because the rest of the country has done their election. They elected um, the current prime minister. And those guys said, nonsense election. But that just by the way. So, they need to pray for their country. 
if you are a Christian from Somalia, you have work. Wait, Christians from Afghanistan, what would they even do, sir? I hope you know God has planted Christians there to fight for that land. And they must win. There's something about Christians, you can't bail out. I'm running to another country because there's trouble. Some, look, look, a lot of times you are just demasing everything. I need to demask something. Many times we demask things. But it's our country. That's what I'm going to say. So this, let me tell you how you handle your country. It, now, countries may differ. I don't know how, how a country like Somalia will be. I don't know how a country like Afghanistan, how their own matter is. But I can guess for countries like Ethiopia, Nigeria, Ghana, we have the same basic structure, spiritual structure now. I'm trying to explain. And you have established churches in these places. So the problem is always with them first. You have to clear the church. I was talking with our brother Bishop today, and when we finished talking, I said, if you know the hold, love of money has over the church around us, you, you will know that Boko Haram is not a problem. God can kill Boko Haram with his sneeze. No sneeze. Just, no blow, just sneeze, and Boko Haram will go away. All these bandits can disappear with his sneeze. The divine sneezing. The major problem he has, Kai, if you know what they call mammon. Love of money. Talking to one brother the other day, he said, look, if I many, no, what I want to tell you happened to many people, not just one. You talk to a pastor, say, listen, that thing you are saying, I know, I know it's the word of God, but, but I need money. And you're telling him that you can't preach like this in church. He said, I know, but the one you're telling me to preach, does it bring money? And they will tell you, like we say, oha. Bold like that, wham. I told him, one went to meet one of my brethren, said, listen, pray for me. I think I'm going to die soon. Say why? Say because the one I'm preaching, I know God he didn't send me. So then why are you preaching it? He said, our Jews, that you send money. It's not redeemed. When I say Jew, please, so I don't, I'm not saying it's redeemed, but our general overseer. Said, listen, I've pre- prepared my message on Saturday. Then I got this message at night on Saturday. And he said, I should bring the amount of money. So sometimes, if you know what we're, what we're having to deal with, that is the genesis of our problem. The politicians are not our problems at all. Bandits are not our problems at all. The real problems we have, God has to cleanse his church. Let me see what I've said before. It's a promise to say it all over again. Listen to this. If you want to do Babalao, today I went and researched on Oluba on Lumba. Just because I mentioned it last time. Because if you want to do Oluba on Lumba, call your own brotherhood of moon and sea. Because me and you will not quarrel. Call yourself the church of the intergalactic Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos. Because I don't have a problem with that. If you call yourself Church of Jesus Christ and put go there to look for me and you are lying, I will kill you. As I keep on saying, Dabuski is safe. Because he has Kedus Kabash. He has Kanduzi Kanduza. These are powers he has not yet touched. Are you getting my point? <laughs> I hope you get my point. It's those ones that call themselves prophets that are not. And they are mentioned in the name of Jesus. They are the ones that have a problem. Now, so the point I'm making, listen, is this. The Lord is going to arise and is going to cleanse. But this is one thing he wants us to do, to join him in that work. How do we do it? We take, so like, okay, I'll say something, let me just forget that. So we start with the church, we go down to the political structure, and then down to the physical structure of a nation. That's how it goes. That's the order. Number one, 
the church in that nation. Number two, the political, when I say political, not legal, or the governmental structure. And then third, the physical structure. You talk about prosperity, you talk about uh, economy, you know, things like that. But first of all, government, the political structure, before you go down to the economy. So you start with the church, next line, governmental structure, then the physical things. So we take the word of God in each one and begin to prophesy. Don't mention anybody's name. You are not, you are not mentioning anybody's name. You're just mentioning, you're just lifting God's word into the air on a constant basis. You never get tired of doing it. Remember, it's something you are de- de- devoted to doing till death. It's something you are devoted to doing till the end. So let's start this evening. Let's ask our feet. It just to take scriptures. We take the word of God. As an example, we're going to pray for the body of Christ in Nigeria. What's the purpose of God? He wants to cleanse her. To wash her with the washing of water by the word. What does Jesus want from his church? And there's no wrinkle. There's no blemish. That's what he wants. That there's no wrinkle. That there's no blemish. He doesn't want false doctrines. He doesn't want lying prophets prospering the church. You know what he said? There were false prophets amongst them, just as there will be what? False teachers. Do you get that? They have false prophets. You have what? False teachers. Just as God was against false prophets, today he's against what? False teachers. So what do we do? We take the word of God into the air and just declare it. And say, Lord, eradicate. Let's start with, for example, let's start with them, Psalm 2. As a way, we pray in our household, we we'll just locate one particular scripture. I give everybody five minutes and meditate upon that. So each person just paces around or sits, do whatever they need to do, and just declare that word for the next few minutes. Quickly, Psalm number two. Let's start with Psalm number two. That's it, two. That's it, two or twelve. I said two. It's twelve. My mind was saying no. This mouth. I have to breathe this mouth. The Lord is good. Yeah, twelve. If you are there, say amen. All right, again, so that all of us will sound similar to each other, please try and just um, use New American Standard and you'll stay with somebody who has something similar to that. All right, if you're there, say amen. amen. One, two, let's go. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak falsehood to one another. With flattering lips and with a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that speaks great things. Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own, who is Lord over us. Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groanings of the needy. Now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will preserve him from this generation forever. The wicked strut about on every side. When violence is exalted among the sons of men. Amen. Amen. Now, this is against those who tell lies in the body of Christ. It does it. Now, you have a minute. Just read this and declare words based on this. Now, you're going to read it out loud. I don't want you to just be whispering. Read it out loud. Say, help, O Lord, for the godly man ceases to be. For truth seems to be disappearing in the body of Christ. That's what you need to pray. Just utter the words. 
Utter those words. Utter them loud. Say, Lord, as you have spoken, do it. The Lord will cut off all flattering lips. Say, Lord, arise and cut off all lying lips. Arise, O Lord, and break down all lying altars. Arise, O Lord, and scatter every arrangement of lies against the truth. Deliver your children who are seeking the truth. Feed your people with the word of truth. That's what you just do. That's what prayer is about. Go ahead. You have one minute for that. You have one minute for that. Say the word of the Lord are pure words. Lord, let that word prevail. The word has been tried, tested, purified. Let it prevail. Lord, preserve your people from the evil generation. Let not the wicked prosper. Let not violence be exalted amongst the sons of men. That's how you pray. Just lifting up the word of God. Just lifting up the word of God. Lift up those words. Declare them into the air. That is the weapon of the intercessor. Is the word lifted? I just declare those words. Like I said, no, not this person. You're not even thinking of anybody. You're just lifting the word of God into the air. Quickly open also to Psalm 45. Let's read from Psalm 45. Today, that's why we're going to start just the church. Let's just pray for the church of God. Psalm 45. We're going to read from verse 3. No, let's read from verse 1 and stop in verse um, verse 7. From verse 1 to verse 7. Are you there? This is how you pray, brethren. This is how to pray. When you're praying like this, you're actually praying in the Spirit also. You're praying in the Spirit. You're praying according to the Word of God. Verse 1. 1 to let's go. Are you there? If you are there, say amen. amen. If you are not there, say please wait for me. Okay, we're all there. One, two, let's go. My heart overflows with a good thing. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Guard your sword on your thigh, O mighty one. In your splendor and your majesty. And your majesty ride on victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp. The peoples fall under you. Your arrows are in the hearts of the king's enemies. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your fellows. Amen. Amen. I hope you know it's so clear. This scripture is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a messianic psalm. It's declaring the lordship of Jesus. Now, what we are saying, we are addressing the Lord Jesus now. Grace is poured on your lips. Truth is upon the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, God the Father has blessed you forever. Now, you're not asking him, according to this word, guard your sword on your thigh, almighty one. That's Jesus Christ. In your splendor and your majesty. And your majesty ride on victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome things. If you read some other scriptures, you say, go forth and perform all inspiring deeds. One of those things, your arrows are sharp. The peoples fall under you. That is, these are the enemies of truth. Remember, he's riding on victoriously for what? The cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Now, if you declare this words, Jesus will go against every person lying, everyone obstructing truth, 
He will go against those who are obstructing righteousness. That's what he does. Why? He said the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of his kingdom. Jesus loves righteousness and has hated wickedness. He does. Let me just really say this one to us. Now we're going to pray with this just like we did earlier for a few minutes. But let's bear this in mind. God hates wickedness. God hates what? Yes. My emphasis on wickedness. He hates wickedness. He hates lies. His soul despises people who lie in his name. One man, I've forgotten his name, and I read it somewhere. He said he had an experience with the Holy Spirit, and he came out with two things. That Jesus loves to be quoted, and he hates to be misquoted. He loves to be quoted, and he hates to be misquoted. You know what I understand? He hates people who take what he did not say, and say he said it. He doesn't like it. Bear that in mind. Now let me say another thing, alright? Because it's important to understand this. If God hates something, but we tolerate it, it lasts long. Let me say that again. When God hates something, but we, his people, we tolerate it, it prospers for a long time. If you want God to judge something, you have to show him you also hate it. God hates false doctrines. If you go and see, you read all the letters of Paul, he was nice in all of them, including the ones of the Corinthians. And let me tell you what the Corinthians were doing, you did not know. Of course, you know. I'm just joking when I say you did not know. I'll give you three things. Number one, there were divisions amongst them. There were Baptists, Catholics, Anglicans. Some were Roman Catholics. They were of Peter. Remember that? Some were Pentecostals. They were of Paul. There were all kinds of divisions. Nonsense. <laughs> Nonsense thing. Oh, another one. They had one guy there. The revelation he had was to take away from his father. Let me give you one third thing. There was a lot of disorder. As I'm preaching, like this, someone will just get up. Thus says the Lord. Ah. Just scatter my message. Paul had to say to them, let everything be done decently and in order. This is an anointing. He said, no way. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Yet, when he wrote them, he said, I see you don't come behind in any gifts. I've heard of your faith. I've heard of the love you have towards the saints. That's the person started with. Galatians did none of the above. All they just did was to take a crucial doctrine and believe a wrong one. And he did not commend them in anything. The only thing he said about them that we all remember is what? Oh, foolish Galatians. What am I saying to you? God hates false doctrines. He hates it. He hates lies told in his name. Let's join him this evening and declare these words. Break down false doctrines. How do you do it? It's simple. Take these scriptures. I'll give you three minutes for that. Begin to read it out loud and pray with it. Say, you are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips, O Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Say, Lord Jesus, guide your sword on your thigh. You are the mighty one. In your splendor and your majesty. I want you to declare those words into the air. Use your own words. Say, ride on victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Lord, let your right hand do awesome things. Your arrows are sharp. Your arrows are sharp. Liars fall under you. Your arrows are sharp. Your arrows are sharp. Your arrows in the, and the hearts of the king's enemies. Those who lie in your name, they fall under you. Let your throne, O oh Lord, be forever. The scepter of uprightness, the scepter of truth, is the scepter of your kingdom. Lord, you have loved righteousness and you hate wickedness.
Lord, hate wickedness around us. Manifest your hatred for wickedness. It's simple. Declare it. Declare it. That's how you pray for the church. So they cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Wash away all dross out of her, all defilement in the name of Jesus. That's how we pray. We take the word of God and lift it into the air. As you are praying this, know you are praying for the church of God. You want it to be pure. You want it to be pure. You want it to be pure. Say to him, let the days of your power come. It's important. That's how you pray for the church. Declare these words. Read out those scriptures. Just read them out. If you, sometimes you don't even have to qualify. Them. Just read them out. Go by it again and again. Yes. Just declare the words into it. That's, that's prayer for you. That's prayer. You are praying for the church. You are saying to the Lord, you will wash out with the washing of water by the word. With the washing of water by the word. Like I said, because of time, we probably will stop it here. That's just praying for the church alone. Quickly open your Bibles. Let's read this one. Ephesians chapter 5. We are going to read Ephesians chapter 5. Now, it's a few verses talking on marriage, but you, you once we get it, you um, get that you see why we're uh, reading it. Now, we're going to read from verse 25 to verse 30. Are you ready? Ephesians chapter 5, 25 to 30. One to let's go. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Amen. Amen. Now that's a prayer point. You have one minute. Pray with that for the church of God. Like I said, just read it out loud. I don't want it to be silent. Just read it out loud. Read that portion. You can reframe it to show that Jesus loves his church. Say, Lord, sanctify her. Cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That you might present her to yourself in all her glory. Having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. It's important. Having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Yeah, pray for the church of God like that. Pray for the church of God like that. Pray for the church of God like that. Say, Lord, sanctify her. Purify her. You don't have to know how we do it. That's why I say we don't have to be too specific. Just say, sanctify her. Purify her. With the washing of water by the word. Pray for the church in Nigeria specifically. That's what we are focusing on. You purify her, sanctify her with the washing of water by the word. With the washing of water by the word. Remove every defilement. Remove every defiling spirit. The love of this world, remove. Lord, we will not tolerate it anymore. All defiling spirits are no longer tolerated by us. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Let's end with this. I just want to do something. I want to read we want to lift up the name of the Lord over his body. You know what I'm going to do? We're just going to read from Revelation chapter 1. Remember, I said, how do you pray? One of, we've talked about this many times. Just to lift up the name of God over a situation. Somebody is sick in the house. Don't do any analysis of the sickness. Lift up the name of Jesus over it. Put your hands and say, Lord, you're not, even, you're not in the sickness. Get out in Jesus' name. There are times for that. I'm not saying there's not time for that. But there are times you just look and say, Jesus, you are the healer. 
you died for our sickness, for our sins, and at the same time, you nailed our sickness to the cross. Thank you, you are the healer. We lift your name, you are Jehovah. What's that, that Hebrew word? Rafa, thank you. You don't have to speak Hebrew, I just felt like speaking Hebrew. The Lord, the healer. Sometimes I say, declare it seven times. It says, Jesus, the healer. Jesus, the healer. What you are saying, without knowing, you are saying that this sickness, you are not powerful. You are not incurable. You are subject. You sometimes look at sickness and say, over, Jesus is Lord, and it will go. I hope you are getting my point. Yeah, learn to do that. That's when you are reading your Bible. That God gave me that wisdom. Thank God for smart Bibles. I underline a lot. Before I, if you know the number of notes I've written and I've lost, whatever since smartness came to the Bible, you know what I'm trying to say. Oh God, I write my notes and they're archived somewhere. So I underline every description of God that I can find. And once I found that revelation full of the description of Jesus Christ relative to His church, I hope you're getting my point. Let's read a few of them. Quickly open to Revelation chapter 1. We want to describe Jesus Christ quickly. Revelation chapter 1. Yeah, we'll read a few verses from verse 4. We'll stop in verse 8. And that's what we'll read today. Then we'll close with that. Are you ready? If you are there, say amen. All right. Let's start together from verse 4. We'll just take the whole thing so that we won't get any, uh, make any mistake. But we're reading. The main thing is we want to describe Jesus. I hope you're getting my point. In your mind, you are describing Jesus. And you are lifting up his name over his church. Do you get my point? Now, before we start, say after me, say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We, declare we declare that Jesus the Lord, Jesus is, Lord. is Lord over the church. Lord over church. We, declare we declare that Jesus, that Jesus is, the is the husband of the bride. We declare, we declare that, Jesus that Jesus is the king of the church. Of the church. We, declare we declare that Jesus, that Jesus is the Lord of the church. The church is subject to him. He is washing his body. He is washing his body. He is purifying her. He is purifying his bride. In this nation. He is removing every impurity. Say, Lord Jesus, remove every impurity. Remove every defilement. Remove every impurity. Remove every defilement. Remove every defilement. Bring forth your glory in your body. Let your glory arise in your body. Let your glory be seen. In the name of Jesus. Say we declare that Jesus is Lord. And we read as follows. So let's read from verse 4. One to let's go. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and releases us from our sins by his blood. And he made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord just for a few minutes before we close. Just say, Lord Jesus, we worship you. Please open that portion and read it out loud. 
You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. You are the, who, the one who is, who was, and who is to come. You are the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. You are the one who loves us and released us from our sins by your blood. We worship you. We worship you. You are the one whose head and hair are white like white wool, like snow that John saw. Your eyes like a flame of fire. Your feet like burnished bronze, which has been made to glow in the furnace. Your voice, Lord Jesus, is like the sound of many waters. In your right hand you hold the seven stars, and out of your mouth come a sharp two-edged sword. Your face is like the sun shining in all its strength. Jesus will worship you. Yeah, worship him like that is important. He is the first and the last. He was dead and he has come to life. Oh yeah, that's Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's important. Worship him. He is the one that has the seven spirits of God. The seven stars. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the ruler of the kings of this nation. He's the ruler of his church. No one, no one sits over his church in this country. No one, no one. Let's, as we close, just say, Lord, have mercy upon your people. I just declare that. Say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy upon your people. Have mercy upon your flock. Call your men to repentance so you don't have to judge. Give them listening ears. Give them understanding hearts. And let your name, Lord, be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. In 30 seconds, let's just give the Lord thanks for the word we have received and for answered prayers because by faith we know the Lord has indeed heard us, has heard our prayers, heard our cries. So let's give him thanks. Say, Father, we thank you.